Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On this episode, I am joined by Sam Davis. Sam is a bow hunter out of Wyoming that seems to get it done on just about all of his hunts, whether it's mule deer, elk, bear, whitetails. We discuss approaching out-of-state hunts versus hunts in your home state, elk versus mule deer, spot and stalking, adrenaline-filled experiences, and off-season preparation. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. Recently, Onyx had added the Elite membership benefits for all Elite users to get deals on other hunting companies as well as free memberships to other scouting tools like Hunt and Fool and Top Rut. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. Currently using the Phantom Saddle System with a Predator platform for all my mobile hunts and just added the new smaller 8mm ropes to my system that are lighter and still plenty strong enough to be able to use in the tree. If you want to check out Tethered and saddle hunting, head over to Tethered Nation. Dot com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime no-fault warranty and an incredible customer experience. I just started messing around with the new RF1 rangefinder, and it's different than anything I've ever used. The wheel on the side allows you to change the brightness and go through the menu easily and on the fly. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And Spartan Forge, hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing those hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out the movement for your specific hunting area. You can use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 25% off of the Outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. On this week's Mountain Buck Story of the Week, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday over on social media, the story comes from Andrew Purcell. Andrew says, this last calendar year has brought much struggle for many, but for me, provided one positive, more time in the woods. I went shed hunting numerous times in this spring, hunted spring turkey, hiked in the summer, and only missed one single weekend at camp hunting the National Forest this fall. I was lucky to harvest two mature mountain does in the early muzzleloader season. My season was capped off by this one-eyed mountain bruiser deep in the big woods. He's my biggest buck to date and one that I have 2018 trail camera pictures of, as well as the 2018 sheds that I found in the spring of this past year. It's truly been a year to remember. So go over and check out Andrew's buck on uh, the East Meets West Instagram page. And Facebook, man, it's 
awesome buck and uh, definitely sounds like you know Andrew took a twist of what 2020 had and turned it to a positive note. So congratulations, Andrew. Such a great buck and story. As far as other news, uh, spent the weekend up at the Total Archery Challenge in Boyne, Michigan. Got to meet some of you guys that are listening here. So I, it was great getting to meet you and getting to see everybody there again. Um, that that event was really cool. Northern Michigan's a beautiful place with the big woods there, and it's just it it almost reminded me a little bit of like what Canada would look like. Just I mean, I guess it's pretty close to Canada, so it was a. Uh, it was pretty cool to, to get to experience that. And, you know, I was only up there for a little over a day. It, it was definitely a great time. And uh, so I hung out there with the, the prime archery guys and, and just got to talk to a whole bunch of people. And this week, so tomorrow, the, the newest Mountain Buck Scouting video series episode will drop. Um, so that'll be on my YouTube channel, which is just Bo Martonic. Head over, check that out. If you do like it, would really appreciate it if you shared it, gave it a thumbs up and a comment. That definitely helps out quite a bit and helps kind of gauge if you think I should make some more of these in the, the future. So I, the feedback is is extremely helpful and welcomed. With that being said, uh, we'll just jump right into this episode here with Sam Davis. And I hope everyone's off-season preparation is going well. And I think if you listen to this this episode with Sam, you'll be you'll be excited and motivated to keep doing so yourself. All right, we're live. Sam Davis, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. It's a it's it's a pleasure to talk to you. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, so it's real good to talk to you in person. Yeah, same. I mean, I've been uh, I've been following along with you for quite a while, and I think I heard you for the first time on I don't know if it was Brian Barney's podcast or Cody Rich. It was somebody's like a couple years ago, and I started following along with you, and I was like, man, this guy's a killer. And uh, you had sent me a message about something. I think I think that's how it went, and um, and I was like, I wanted to get you on the podcast. So thanks for agreeing to do that. Yeah, actually, it was the it was the Donnie Vince podcast you had donnie vincent on there and i was i was really uh i really liked what he had to say there were some things that it was it was a great podcast it was one of the better podcasts i'd listened to in a while and it really hit me that day that's why i shot you a message it was just it was a it was a high quality podcast i really liked listening to that one so thank you what, what was the what was the part of that that hit you i i think i have an idea but i want to hear what you say i think the biggest thing for me was just um his 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 like his sense of adventure and i think for me that's what it was when you guys were kind of breaking down all this hit like the adventures and like just go for it i think that was kind of the the wow moment because you've done that yourself and so like to listen to you talk and being you're being a younger guy and the adventures you have went on and came to you know to the west to idaho and then to alaska and so it was really cool just listening to you both interact and I, I, that's the part that I really enjoyed. Cause I'm, I haven't ventured. I mean, yeah, I've done stuff in the lower 48. I've done some hunts, but I've never, uh, I've never ventured North to Alaska or I've never done any Canada hunts. I've never done anything big like that. And man, Donnie Vincent's done some, some pretty wild things up there. So yeah, it, it was cool. I think it was kind of inspiring actually to listen to him and then really reflecting on just listening with you kind of reflecting with you, I should say, listening to your journeys. And it's like, man, you've done it too. For you to come from where you are to Idaho, that's like me driving to Alaska. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's that's an adventure for you guys that come west, and I, I, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, though. Well, thanks. I so Sam, where where are you from exactly? 
I live in Northern Wyoming, Sheridan, Wyoming, right, right on 30 miles from Montana and right up against the Bighorn Mountains where I live. Oh man, you have a pretty good spot there. Yeah, it's, I feel very fortunate. I mean, we're the first mountain range that most of the Easterners hit when they're coming from the East. It's the first mountain range to hit. So, uh, we got the Badlands to the east of us. We got the sagebrush, rolling hills, the Ponderosa Pines, the breaky country of that. And then you turn and go west and you hit the mountains and we got 13,000 foot peaks right here. So, yeah, I feel very fortunate. And then it's handy too also because over the years I've applied for Montana hunts. And Montana's, I mean, some of the places I hunt in Montana are closer than some of the places I hunt in miles away to the border so uh, it's it's pretty all right there's good fishing there's good camping there's everything it's it's kind of a, it's it's pretty i love it i'm lucky i grew up born and raised here so i don't know any different i should say but it's it's great okay that was gonna be my next question that you're born and raised there so it's um so it's my brother just moved to montana and he's probably re- really not that far across the border from you north he's in big timber okay yeah he's three probably three hours north of me so billings is 125 miles Big Timbers, I don't know, halfway in between there and Livingston. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped to. Uh, I'm going out there this summer. I've never been to Montana at all. I've been in Wyoming oh. and stuff, but I've never been to Montana. So I'm excited just to go out and see it for a long weekend, essentially. Well, he lives in a gorgeous place. I mean, I'm I'm sure you've seen ton, tons of pictures and you've heard all the hype. Yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's all that's cracked. It's way better than Wyoming. Tell everybody that's moving out this way that it's way better than Wyoming, Montana. So that big country, that Bozeman country, it's legit. <laughs> ask Cody Rick. Ask all those guys. They'll tell you how good it is. All yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Montana. I mean, Wyoming's kind of flown a little bit under the radar, but that's, we'll keep it that way. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. So you, so you, have you grown up hunting from the beginning or tell me a little bit about your backstory? All right. So yeah, um, I grew up, my dad, my dad it was an outfitter. I shouldn't say my dad was an outfitter. My dad grew up, he was hunting grandfather and all that. I never met my granddad, but my granddad was a big hunter and all that. Now they were actually from Washington and my dad moved to Wyoming when he was 19 years old and he hit the ground run and he hunted out in Washington. Dad got here. He hunted. So as I came along as a kid, I mean, I didn't know anything but hunting. My dad was a fireman uh, for a living. So he had the sweet job of day on, day off, however all that works. But he had piles of vacations. So growing up, he guided. My whole life, my dad was a guide. So I spent, from the time I could walk, I was hunting um, from deer, deer, elk, and antelope. And um, yeah, with that, I I had a bow as a little kid, you know, everybody gets their first bow and stuff. And I shot that. And then I really, really, really took to bow hunting when I was 14 years old. I bought a bow for myself and I shot a mule deer in the, actually in the high country. My first archery kill was a mule deer up in the high country. My mom dropped me off because I couldn't drive yet. She dropped me off in the high country. I had a cousin that was up there and he drove me around and he had an elk tag while well, I ended up sticking a deer like 10,000 some feet in my first buck. Anyways, long story short, I was hooked. That was uh, two years, the year 2000 actually. And so I have harvested one elk with the rifle since then. I, yeah, since that time, I think I've killed one elk with the rifle. Everything else has been with the bow my whole, so pretty much my whole hunting career. I killed a couple things with the rifle when I was young like that 12, 13 age. But after 15 years old, I never, I've harvested one elk since then with a gun. Everything else has been with a bow. I just, bow hunts, not that I have any against rifle hunting. 
that just bow hunting hooked me and that's yeah. all I've done. I, I, I was, that was, I was going to ask you how you got into, I know that you're, you only bow hunt now and that's why I was going to ask you how you got into that, but it kind of sounds like that's just your way of life basically. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and I guide hunters in the fall, so I, I'm around a lot of rifle hunting and stuff, but for my preferred choice to a weapon is definitely archery hunting. And yeah, like 15 years old and yeah, I've just been hooked. The one year that I shot a bull with a rifle, it was my first year of guiding. So it was like 2005 when I was a full-time guide in Montana and Wyoming. And I took up all these guiding jobs. I just, I was scared to ask for vacation. I was scared to ask for time off and I slipped right through bow season. And I had one weekend to go up and ended up using a rifle and I killed the bull at 35 yards really? and he was raking. Yeah. Right. So, and I took my bow with me, had my bow and my gun that day. I left the gun and the pick, or excuse me. I saw these elk. They were a long ways out of this big, nasty, nasty, steep face. And I just knew with the timing, the sun was coming up. There was no way I was going to get within bow range. So I left my bow and I took off and I ended up shooting that bull at 35 yards raking it. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, so yeah, that's, that's where, that's where hunting started for me. And that's how hunting has kind of gone for me is it's, it started out as hunting, just like every other kid shooting squirrels and doing all that to developed into deer and antelope with a rifle. And then at the age of 14, I shot that deer and then now it's just, it's just, uh, spiraled from there. And bow hunting is definitely my passion. Yeah. So t tell me a little bit about your guiding. So is that what you do full time then? No, I mean, I work on a ranch full time and we have clients that come into the ranch and then we have ranch lease. So it's all private land guiding that I do guide on. And I just guide clients that come in and under, I work for the outfitter and I just guide clients that come in from him. And over the years we've had leases in Montana and Wyoming both. So I've spent time guiding Montana and Wyoming from September all the way through November rut and the mule deer up in Montana. So it's been, a, it's been a great event. You know, when people talk about time, of field, I'm very lucky because I spend a lot of time in the field, whether it's not always for myself, but I mean, it might as well be when you're trying to get that person in for a shot. I've, I've learned a lot about game. I think it's put me, it's, 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 uh, it's short my learning curve, I guess, when it comes to hunting, because I've, uh, I've got to do a lot of it. Yeah, you've got a lot of reps in in a, a shorter amount of time than others. You know, might take a lifetime for how much you've probably been able to to hunt. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't take it for granted. I try not to. I enjoy every. And then you know, I work on a ranch, and I'm outside every single day, all day. So if you ever see my Instagram post or some, I'm a geek when it comes to stuff. Like I love sneaking up on mule deer, so I'm always putting stocks on mule deer and seeing if I can touch them or get right in on top of them and it's always stuff like that. And I think, and just my eyes, I'm always looking for a game. I mean, my wife's always hitting me and telling me to stay on the road because, but <laughs> yeah, just living in Wyoming, then my job and stuff, it's, it's immersed me in the outdoors more than I could have ever dreamed. I think, you know, and it's definitely not about the money for me. It's all about the experience. And I've worked at the place where I have long enough now that I get a lot of vacations. So it plays really well into my September where I can take the time off and I go do what I love, pursue everything that I love and my passions. Yeah. So you do get a decent amount of time off to hunt for yourself then too? Yeah. I mean, I'm 36 years old. I've worked for the ranch since I was 18. So I'm at, I'll am i be at five weeks paid vacation here pretty soon, which is, it's exciting. I mean, it's not, yeah. there's guys that they get a lot more than me, but yeah, it's just, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to cure that much um, vacation. So yeah, I do. And the way I set it up is 
I'm not one of those guys in September. Like I know it's different from a guy like you coming from the East coast, you're going to plan, you know, five days. So you're going to take that Friday and not going to be back to that following Sunday. So it looks like a 10 day block for you. I, I understand that, but luckily we're living here. The way I set my vacation up is usually everything opens around September 1st. So that Labor Day weekend falls in that first weekend. So I always make sure that I take off all the way through Labor Day weekend, how it falls. So it's usually five or six day breaks. And that's kind of how I break up my September. I like to go on like five, six day blocks. And then I come back to work, right? To get a rest. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going like to say. That, but I take like, usually I, I like to hunt Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. So I'll hunt Friday through Wednesday and then come back to work like Thursday, Friday, and then head back up Friday night. But yeah, when you come back to work, it's like it's a little you get a little reprieve, a little break. Actually, yeah. you don't tell the boss that you tell him you're coming to work, you've been on vacation, but yeah, it's definitely the opposite. <laughs> oh, it definitely. I, I laugh about that all the time. It's like when I when I go out west, like now I've been just hooked on trying to make it out there for two weeks at a time because I want to make the most of my time. But man, I'm so freaking tired and worn out sometimes. I wish, like, I, I don't, I'm not saying this like, oh, some people can't take two weeks off, but I wouldn't mind like going back to work for a couple days and then extending that time, you know, out just to get that little bit of a break. Cause it's, oh, it's, it's you're tough. So, <laughs> yeah. You're so right. And that's why like you guys, I see where like, cause even on your two weeks out here. So you say you come out for, I don't even know what, what does that play out to be like 16 or eight, 16, 17 days by yeah. the time you throw the week in there and stuff. So do you, you have to take like some chill days. Like there's some days in there where you aren't quite going a hundred percent or oh, you yeah. just, I, I, I did it, um, where I tried going a hundred percent the whole time. And I, I think, I don't know. I think I wore my immune system down so much. I got sick. Like I was just like, I just was trying. I'm like, I kept thinking, you know, I, I only got so much time I need to use every day, but I've realized that like having a little bit of a down day or even sleeping in one morning, I know not, not a lot of people, uh, do that. Some hardcore guys are just doing it. But for me, man, if I can get a little bit of a, a reprieve, a little bit of a rest in there, it makes me so much more efficient, you know, for the rest of the hunt. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. Those guys that there is guys that can push it 14 days and go hammer the whole time. I'm definitely, uh, I feel like I hunt the best when I have, when I was like three to five days, three to five days, I can tune in and I mean, I can get after it. There's where and then it's, it might be, like I said, it might be only like a Thursday and then a Friday morning and then Friday night, I'm right back up there. So it's really like a day and a half is all I'm kind of relaxing, but you gotta, you gotta, it, every great athlete has to really relax a little yeah. bit. Unless you can, that guy goes hard. Every yeah. Day. Or, <laughs> or Dan Staten. I remember I, w- I went yeah, to Elk Shade camp with Dan and, and he was like, He's like, I don't ever, you know, I'm, I'm never driving in the day. I'm driving every night, like all through the night and stuff. And I'm like, man, like that's just, you know, you know, especially like when we're driving out there, you know, when I drove to Idaho, it was like almost 40 hours and we drove straight through. There was three of us and I always joke, my cousin, he was about worthless when it came to driving. He's a good co-pilot, but as soon as he got in the driver's seat, like he'd be like, I'm tired. Like I can't drive. <laughs> and I'm just like, come on, man, like help us out here. But then you get there and you're just like already like just beat from just sitting the whole time. And, but now like I'm hoping to draw Colorado high country mule deer hunt this year. I think I should be able to, and we're going out for two weeks, but the first like four days, it's actually before the season even opens. We're going to acclimate, take our time, get a little bit of scouting in. And 
even though it's less hunting days, I think that the efficiency aspect of it will be better just from what it'll what pay I've learned. off. Yeah. I, yeah. You're going to be in the mountains. It's not like you're going to be sleeping in a hotel. So no. being up there and figuring out what the, have you ever been to the unit that you applied for? Nope. Yeah. So exactly. So you're going to need, that time is going to be pretty crucial to at least whether or not you're hiking the mountains, but I like to just at least know roads, drainages, like to see it. You can look as much Google earth as you want. Like everyone says, but when you get there, man, it is a, it's a whole different ball game. So yeah, that'll be perfect that you can get there, get the acclimation, especially with the elevation change that you're going to go through and get that. But then, yeah, I like to, I'm a guy that when people talk about scouting trips, I'm not necessarily looking for the animal. I'm looking for how do I get there? Access, camping, water. I mean, I'll, I mean, just all the logistics more of yeah. kind of what I like to, I like to get all that, that squared away before I head to the Hills. Cause I feel like if I applied for the unit, there's going to be elk, there's going to be deer, there's going to be whatever in there. I just need to figure out how to get around it and how to be the most efficient at, at getting around and making the most of my time when the clock strikes and it's, it's, it's killing time. Like there's a, you need to be getting after it then. So that, that'll work out good for you. You know, that's what you just said. There was something I was, I just did a podcast. I, I, uh, I didn't even release it yet actually with Tony Treach and Tony was talking. That guy. Yeah. He's yeah, a, that an guy animal, level, right? but he's just telling me about like, he's like when he's doing a lot of his scouting, most of it, like his e-scouting even. And then when he gets in there to scout, he's looking at the most efficient way to run things and you know like what you said access all that different stuff you know there's there's gonna be animals there i, I think it was i i heard dustin rose say something when he was talking someone asked him about sheep hunting and how he always comes out with these giant sheep in areas that aren't known for that and he's like well if there's a tag allotment for the area there's animals there you just gotta find them you know and it's just kind of yeah. a you know it's so true you know you overthink it a little bit sometimes from the standpoint of trying to be in the the best spot and and you know overthinking the whole where you're going aspect but i know I, I think what you said there is just like I, i'm really trying to pay attention to that even when i'm e-scouting and then we get out there understanding where the pressure is coming from how access is how the road systems actually work how much steeper it actually is than google earth and you know and yeah and understanding all all of those different aspects to it so that's that's yeah. interesting do, do you typically do you typically hunt mostly um you know i don't know to say close to home but like in your home state or do you travel a little bit too or how, how does that kind of work um i would say like over the last you know, I, I travel. I, there's always been at least like one hunt. I've hunted Kansas like four years. Um, I've been in New Mexico four or five times. I went to Arizona this last year. So yes. And it's always kind of a late season deer, deer situation. So like the last, you know, six, seven years, it's been New Mexico and Arizona going to late season when there's nothing going on in Wyoming. We do a, a late season hunt like that. Um, I've hunted Montana, I think I've had four elk tags in Montana over the years. So I've ventured up into the old Missouri breaks and done that stuff. Um, so yeah, I have, I've ventured out. Um, but to be honest with you, I've never killed a, a giant, giant bull elk. And so I should probably be putting my, I guess what, what I would call it, like my standards of a giant bull elk. Right. And I'm always like a first six point. I want meat in the freezer. And if it's got six points, it's going down. Like that's always been me. So I really kind of reeled back was applying at some some other states and i really reeled back and just said hey i live in a state that's got phenomenal elk country i'm very very fortunate where i can have an elk tag right 
a bull tag. I can have a cow tag. I can get up to like three or four cow tags. Um, I can get an antelope license. I can get a mule deer license. I can get an extra white tail. So, I mean, the, the amount of tags that I can get in Wyoming, you're talking like five or six antlered tags, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard for me to go to other States and there's guys that do it. Um, nothing against all the guys that are in Wyoming, but I have so much opportunity and such great quality game that I've really in the last three or four years, I had all these ask you know, like these big, I don't know, ideas of going to other States and, and I do, like I said, I do the late season stuff just to change it up. But when it comes to September, man, I'm really, I focus on September in Wyoming. And this year, like I, I have goal in mind of like, I want to get a really good bull. Like I need to just hone in and I, I'm pretty scatterbrained in September gets you. I usually use the first 10 days chase mule deer. And then I usually use the last 20 days as elk. And this year it's going to be like, I'm hunting for mule deer. I've got one big trip planned right at the beginning of the, the month, like five days worth. And then it's going to be elk. So no, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I do go to other states, but um, not as much as some of the other guys like Dan, Staten, and those guys that, you know, they hammer three states and stuff. I don't have that much time. Like, I can't figure in the Montana where those guys, you know, they hammer September in a couple states, and then they kind of figure on those those first two weeks of October, how Montana season falls. Those guys kind of bank on that. That's when I really start guiding, starts mm-hmm. amping up. So I'm, I'm done by about the 30th of September. And then I don't really get to pick back up again until sometime in November, which I have a Montana deer tag this year. So I will be chasing, but I'm not even going to hunt them in September. I'm going to hunt them with my bow during the rut. I'll wait for the November rut to go chase mule deer up there. So yes and no elk, not really deer. Yes. I do go chase deer in a few other States. You know, you know, and it's, it's funny. Your mindset with that is kind of the way that I feel like I'd look at whitetails. Cause like I could go to, other states that probably have big, well, definitely have bigger deer and all this stuff. But I, I have so much available close to me and where I'm at in Pennsylvania that, you know, I live in an area where I have, well, a couple million acres, essentially a public land. That's just big timbered stuff within a few hours of me. And a lot of it, you know, I can go out my back door essentially. And I'm like, why do I want to go spend my week off during the rut hunting a place I'd never been to when if I really, I'm spending all this time scouting and learning and doing all this stuff where I can put it into these areas that I'm learning and try to, you know, really, um, you know, challenge myself in, in my own home state. So it's always, that's been kind of like a, if I had more time, yeah, maybe I'd try something else, but I just, I don't know. I was hunting other states for whitetails for a while. And then I kind of just honed it back. I use like, you know, I have my one adventure hunt, you know, out West and that I just love, you know, the home state kind of advantage with things too, especially like what you're saying is you're trying to shoot a next level bull. I mean, you're going to have a better chance when you know an area or you have a chance to scout it or anything like that too. Oh yeah. You're, you're exactly. Well, look at for you last year, you killed a smoker of a buck. I saw a picture. That's an unbelievable deer you killed. And so, yeah, it, it paid off. Yeah. Like, so that, that's, that's what you're going for. You're going to Iowa or wherever to kill a buck like that. So when you can kill it in your backyard and you can scout in January, you can scout in February, you can find sheds and yeah, it, it makes it, yeah, it's it just, I don't know. Yeah, you're totally right. It makes it a lot better. And I think what it really comes down to is you, you, you said it was time. If it's, if, if you have the time to go chase stuff, other places, then go do it. Like if, but if you don't have the time, you got to make the most of your time. That's kind of like coming out and, doing what you do when you guys come out West, like you make the most of every minute here. So it's like, 
if you don't only got a couple of weeks off that you can hunt whitetail in your home state, or I only got the, you know, those, the month of September to get it done here in Wyoming. Like I'm going to focus on getting done. Like, yeah. That's, and I don't got a pocket full of dough. So it's a lot cheaper to travel around yeah. in Wyoming money on fuel here than driving to Colorado, New Mexico and chasing stuff all over like that. So yeah, but yeah, it just, it works. It works out better to stick around my home state for me. I got a lot of opportunity here. So yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So what, what is your favorite out of those animals you get, you know, a plethora of animals you can hunt there, but what, what's your favorite to, to chase after if you had one? You know, it's a, it's the, the old grand old question between mule deer and elk for sure. And, uh, man, I would say lately the last, the last few years I've been really, really, really on the elk bug and not, not necessarily for size. Um, just, I really like chasing those bulls and I liked, I've spot and stalked the last few, I called them a couple of years ago, I guess, but spot and stalking big bulls is a lot of fun to me. And, uh, I just, I think the, the age class on a big bull is something that's, that's pretty unique because you get to a lot of these areas, everybody kills that 290 inch bull, that 280 inch bull, that four and a half, three and a half, four and a half real bull at 300. Man, when you start hitting that upper class of those six-year-old bulls, seven-year-old bulls. If you can find something like that, chasing that animal is unreal to me. Then you throw in the mix of all the cows. And, uh, I've just had, man, I just had something for elk lately and I've killed a couple bulls, you know, here in the past. And then it's like, ah, I got to get back up on the mountains and help my buddies. Cause I just can't get enough of it. So right now I, I, it's hard to say, it's crazy for me to say, cause my, if you ask my buddies, if you went into my, where I got some of my heads hung up on the walls, you think I'm a mule deer addict, but I love mule deer. But man, I'm on the elk bug right now for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, that's, I, I, I like that. It kind of goes, you know, you go through phases and stuff with it, and and yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not hooked either way, and like it has evolved. Let's say yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an evolution because I was definitely a mule deer guy for, and oh, I had to have a 170. You wanted a 170. Numbers are numbers. Numbers are just a reference. It was, I, I got some big old nasty three by threes that are don't score anything, but they got like six inch bases, and they're just super cool to me, and they were no teeth in their head. I love that, but I'm kind of on a, I'm definitely on the elk train right now. Yeah. And it, yeah, like, like you said, that, that evolves and the number thing is just gives you a bar to set it for, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. just challenging yourself more and you always kind of want to do a little bit more and see what's out there. And, and yeah, no, I, I totally understand what that is. Cause like with, with whitetails, I am, I am more than happy every year shooting a 120 inch buck which around here could be anywhere from a three to a six year old that it's that's just what it is but i i'm like i'm striving for that next level like that's you know i just want i know they're out there i know they're few and far between but always just wanting that you know next level type thing and i think that just comes as an evolution when you're doing it for a while and just wanting to continue to challenge yourself and it's just fun too because you get usually they're obviously harder to to kill and it, it, you get to be out there longer and takes more time and learn a ton in the process yeah that's i think that's it it's just it's the process it's that that time like i've been bear hunting all these last couple of weeks uh, bear season's been open out here it's it's for me is i haven't cashed in on killing a bunch of bears we don't have 
beating the loud, so like slow poning them isn't maybe I'm just this is a sorry excuse, but you, I think a lot of uh, a lot of bears are baits and they aren't you don't see a lot. I can't just it's not like Montana, it's not like Idaho for us where we can just roll down drainages here and glass tons and tons of bears, blow one bear. If you see a bear here, that might be the only bear you see in a week, you know. But so that right there is the process. It's not about the kill, but it's making me a better hunter because I'm out there. And like last night, I was out on a pretty good hike and it's just about getting out there. And that's kind of where I'm at with elk. If I just shot the first raghorn that came in, then you're, you're done. So yeah, me, I've shot a lot of little bulls. That's why I go hunting with my buddies again. Cause I got to get more of it, but that's where setting this goal of yeah, getting that upper age class and moving on to the next step, setting that goal a little bit farther is giving exactly what you said. It gives me more of that experience, making me a better hunter and making more giving me more time out there doing what i love i mean we live every single day for september 1st man like that's yeah that's for me that's all i think about it's like ah you know my my wife is so sick of here she hunts too but she's still she's sick like, <laughs> so September, this or that or i've already got stuff marked down on the calendar all, all the places i'm going in september like where am i we haven't even got the we haven't even put in for our tags yet as residents for the special limited tags and i already have plan a and plan b if i draw and if, if i'm hunting general or if i'm hunting limited like <laughs> so yeah. i'm addicted man it's it's uh it's funny to and my little girl i got a three-year-old and she all she talks about is hunting with dad and she knows all about it too so it runs pretty heavy in our household <laughs> yeah that's that's funny so you'd mentioned about um spot and stock and how you like you know spotting those big bulls and when i when i was hunting in colorado it was all just like real dark timber kind of feeling like i was aimlessly wandering through the woods a little bit and then once i got into like some little bit more open country in idaho i fell in love with being able to see them and trying to come up with a plan and and i didn't shoot my bull that way that was almost kind of more of an ambush type scenario but I was there for 13 days after that with my buddies and we kept seeing these bulls and they were putting stocks on and it just got me into this. Yeah. Like I'm like, and I went, you know, caribou hunting and now it's just like, I want to hunt high country mule deer. Cause I want to spot and stock. I want to go to Kansas. I want to hunt even, uh, you know, Montana for some of the more open areas. And I don't know, I haven't done it like nearly as much as you. So that's why I want to hear about it, but it's already something that I'm realizing is like, I think that's, the style of hunting that that i like yeah i think um if you give me a tree stand i'm really good at hanging it and never sitting in it like i shot a whitetail last year had tree stands all set up along this really nice creek bottom we got a ton of whitetails in sheridan like this country's full of whitetail and uh, i had this really nice setup i sat in it two evenings and the second evening i sat and i could see these bucks chasing a doe out in the edge of this field next thing i know i was belly crawling out on the edge of this field and I ended up shooting him off the ground. So <laughs> spot and stocking has just been, uh, yeah, I went to Kansas. Uh, I spot and stocked in Kansas too. Killed a really nice buck in Kansas. Just, I couldn't sit in the tree stands, like drove me nuts. And I ended up killing a cool buck. And it's just, uh, that's how I, you grew up, you know, patterning deer and doing this and having to know their pinch points and scrape lines. And yeah. we grew up glassing and like i've already i'm already teaching my little girl when we're shed hunting you know you're looking at north facing slope you're looking at cuts anything that like anything that has like and i'm gonna tell you this too I mean, I mean you know you've probably read and you've talked to some of the best guys that do it but when i'm mule deer hunting i'm always looking for laterals. anything that's like a lateral line right anything that's level you don't hear this on podcasts much so i'll bring it up 
when you're looking like everything in, in nature grows vertically, like all your trees, your grasses, your everything is growing vertical. When you start seeing like lateral lines, especially in that high country and you get in like tiers, it's going to like, there's where I start looking for bedding areas. So whether it's a cut, like a wash and there's um, like a wash mean, I don't know, you know what a washout is out in the West? Like, like, the, where, like, rocks? Washout, right? like where there's yeah, a bunch of rocks or. Like, yeah. Like a draw. So dirt yep. comes down draw where it has ran water and then it makes like a washout and it'll be like a cut. There'll be like a steep bank. Anyways, what I start looking for is like lateral lines. My eye is always going to those. And so I think the part of spotting and stalking this part of spotting is since I've been a little kid, I've been guiding with my dad. And so I've been glassing mule deer and glassing mule deer. And anytime that I see stuff like that, so you're thinking of like, look at the South Cox video, right? This country, he's always stalking those deer in that nice flat rock comes down and then it has a lateral line, right? Where that rock meets the grass. And those were those deer are always bedded. It's a no brainer, but that's the way I look at it. And then also too, is I'm always looking at back line because that's sometimes you'll see a level line and then you really used to look and like, that's the, that's the back of a deer. And then you look and then all of a sudden you see that white throat patch and it's bedded and he's tucked into the brush. But all you noticed at first was that lateral line of his back. And so that like, as far as it comes to the spotting, I, I don't know, that's that's something I'm when I'm guiding. I'm always telling my hunters when we're glassing the hillside. You know, I was just saying like, look for some this level because everything in nature goes vertically. Interesting. And so, if it's like flat line, it's either going to be a bedding area, like there's there's tiers there, terraces, and that could be where a bench where something could lay down on. And uh, so yeah, spotting and stocking, and then the as far as the spotting part, like I really enjoy the spotting of it, and then the stocking, um, always watching that animal's eye. I think it's so cool when you really start cutting the distance and if you're there, you can see their eye, they can see you, you know? So always working that to, um, to know where to be, how to move, when to move is that challenge is just, is it's, it's none other to me. Like, that's why I was telling you, like, I'm very lucky to work on a ranch and I'm always messing on the Hills and I'm sneaking up on deer. And I always try, you know, in the summertime when I'm not blowing anything that it's actual hunt, um, <laughs> I see how, how far you can push the limits and man, you can get away with a lot. And on bull elk too. I think when it comes to elk and when it comes to mule deer, I think a bull elk by himself or a bunch of bulls in like a bachelor group, you can sneak up on a bull elk way easier than you can a mule deer. It seems like they are, first of all, they got those antlers that stick, you know, 50 inches above their head or even yeah. a rag one 30 inches above his head. Right. So you can watch those antlers. You can see which way they're facing. You can see if their head's down sleeping. You can see if it's on the side. I mean, and uh, so just to just break that and just keep working in on them and working in on them, working in on them, getting to your zone, whether it be 40 yards or be four yards, there's just something about it for me that spot stock is just, it's next level. And you're, you're really, uh, it's, it's you against the animal, not that whitetail hunting isn't because I give it to you guys that can figure out a scrape line, have the patience to sit there. And that's you against the animal knowing how the wind's going to be, whatever moon phase is working. I don't know. Sh- anything about it. <laughs> i've killed quite a few of them but i i've just i was honestly i've stocked up on most of them but um <laughs> i guess uh, it's just matching the just you sneaking up on something you feel like an ultimate predator i guess that'd be my biggest thing a spot and stock is not only do you got to find them but then you got to come up with that game plan and how to get there and i always kind of like I shouldn't say laugh i don't want i don't want to say i don't want to come across as cocky like this will sound horrible but you see pictures on the instagram of guys have a lot of pictures of animals and it's like they're waiting, they're waiting for the move. I'm the guy that's like, I have blown 
well, let's, let me start this by saying I have blown a million stocks. So, but I'm very aggressive. Like if I see it, if I can get a picture of it, there's a good chance that if I don't have a, a gripping grin with it, then it, it I blew it out. But I damn sure tried stocking. My lake, right? <laughs> That's probably my biggest thing about stocking is I'm very aggressive and uh, like to get after it. And I push the limit to get in there, whether I can't say that I don't, if it's a bad wind or oh, a, a okay wind, I don't go. I want it to be a, a pretty surefire bet that I'm going to get in there wind wise. But if I got to sneak past the eye of a couple of those and get in there and get tight or slip by some cows and get in there, I will, I like pushing the limits. So yeah, spawn stock. I hope that's kind of answering your question. You kind of asked like, yeah, no, that is, you, you dove into a bunch of the questions I was going to ask. So that made, you made my job easy on that standpoint, but I do want to, I want to go back around. So like what you were saying about the lateral lines, like, you know, that might sound simple. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that obviously makes sense. But looking at it that way by having that mindset into it can probably help out a ton, especially for people like myself that haven't done it a whole lot, you know, to be able to to break apart that country and kind of focus on some of those areas. And I think that's a really valuable piece of advice in its own. And, you know, the other thing that you said about, you know, you blowing a bunch of stocks, like, I don't know. I just feel like you, you probably have to mess up a ton to be able to understand like what a deer can tolerate and, or what an elk can tolerate. Like it's, it's, it's probably impossible for you to sit here and explain it in a way like, okay, there's there so many different yeah. scenarios with it, you know? And, and yeah. that's, um, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Like just learning more of it. Cause like whitetail hunting, um, for us here, it's just, it's so thick. Like you're not, you're not spotting a stock and really anything. And you're sitting in a tree more or less just thinking the entire time double, you know, thinking like I, I definitely, I should have been over there. I should have been, you know, should I move? <laughs> I haven't seen a deer in two days, but I know, I, you know, it's just, it's a different game. It's, it's you against the animal, but in a different scenario. And I, for me, I like the possibility of being able to see it and then at least know I have a chance <laughs> rather than not knowing yeah. if I'm even in the right country, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's why I, my hat's off to you guys that kill these big deer like that. Cause it's the patience you guys have is on. I pride myself in patience, but my patience is like when I'm standing 30 yards from it and not throwing a rock at it to make it stand up, like <laughs> let it stand up on its own. That's my patience <laughs> game. Like it's usually three hours, not two weeks of sitting in a tree stand, right? Like yeah. the longer, didn't wait for a deer stand up three or four hours before the sun is some way gonna either go down or touch him and make him stand up so yeah but yeah yeah hats off to you guys and what you guys do with those white tails that's it's truly incredible yeah it's yeah it's, it's definitely it's just different you know there's different ways of patience and aggressiveness that like it's just different applications i guess with it but when how is it different like when you're spotting stock and say in the mountains versus in more of the open country because it looks like and just from what i've seen in your photos and stuff that you hunt quite a variety of terrain than even the way you explained it earlier about you know where you live at yeah um i i do i hit all four corners i can't say if i hit three corners of wyoming pretty hard i i chase stuff everywhere in wyoming so as far as the mountains, the mountains, the winds are more finicky in the mountains. You got, just because you got so many canyons and cross cuts and draws and there's, you know, like cross canyons coming into canyons and there's the thermals are a lot different in the mountains. Um, I, the directionals are whatever in the mountains, but then you got, you know, when it comes over the top, the wind, the wind is the biggest difference in the mountains. You get out in the badlands country 
And unless a cloud rolls over and it cools the ground off, you know, and it cools that air and switches it on you, it's pretty consistent. I will say that you can get away with some pretty, pretty consistent winds and know that you're going to have consistent winds out in the Badlands country as far as when it, or compared to coming to the, the mountains. Now, the mountains, I've only killed, as far as bucks in the mountains, I've only killed, I think, three bucks up in the mountains. So I don't have a lot of practice with that. I've killed a lot of elk, obviously, in the mountains. But as far as mule deer, I haven't killed a lot in the mountains. I've killed a little pile of them out in the Badlands country. And um, this year, I'm actually going back up into the high country to chase mule deer. But Are you? Um, yeah. But what I what I found, you just have to just pick your stock. I mean, just I don't know. The thing is, for me if I were to break it down is with the wind is just, it's going to be the same as what everybody hears, you know, afternoons, the thermals are going up and the, you know, it cools off. The thermals are going down. That's pretty broad because there's a lot of wild stuff and there's big clouds that roll over in the middle of the afternoons and those change, but just keep your head down and just, um, just, just be persistent. Keep stocking. Like you're going to blow some stocks, but just like you said, like you're going to blow those stocks and that's going to teach you what to do on the next stock, like how to get by it. So as far as when it comes to the mountains, I've just, the stocks that I've, the bucks that I've killed in the mountains have been very aggressive stocks. Um, I caught two of the bucks I can think of. They were on sunny sides. One was bedded. The other one was up and I shot him while he was up on his feet. So, and the I, two of them, I actually shot on the mountain and they were up on their feet moving. So I like, I will hunt a buck moving in the mountains. I think too, because there's where I look at them as like elk. You get these deer in the evening and they come out and they feed and they're moving around. Well, you got a pretty good wind probably because they're going to come out and start feeding on the shadowed side. They're not going to come out in the sun, you know, in early September when it's 70 degrees still up there. And they're not going to be feeding on a sunny face. It's too hot. They might for a little bit, but they're not going to hang there. They're going to work to a shaded pocket. Well, that shaded pocket good downhill thermal. And that's your chance to move in there. And I, I definitely would take that opportunity in a heartbeat on a mule deer. I, I would shoot a mule deer on his feet. Yeah, no question. Um, it doesn't always have to be that bedded after 11 o'clock in their second bed, you know, like you read in all the books. But yeah. I would definitely take the, take the play of, you know, it's going to get dark at 830 in September. We're like, you're going to be there like late August or 1st of September. Like it, it gets dark at 830. And you spot a buck at five and he's still bedded. He's probably going to be up on his feet by about six, six 30, depending on where the shadows lay over there. So you got two hours to get in. You're going to be hiking out in the dark. You're going to be maybe leaving him overnight and bloodshed him in the morning. But I would definitely make that play because your wind is going to get real consistent. That's the one thing about the mountains is the evenings, the winds get real consistent. They will drop into those. I mean, the minute that sun goes behind that mountain, give it five more minutes and boom, you got a downhill thermal. So play that to your advantage really really time when you get there i mean that's that's a big time one so that's where i would say the difference is it's just the wind there's absolutely nothing different for me other than where i hunt the badlands i got timber too there's timber there's all sorts of stuff i gotta deal with just like the mountains they like mule deer like to bed with a vantage point and they like to bed with a fast escape so you always got to be taking that yeah there might be a big patch of timber that they do go into they do get bumped a couple times they might hang in that patch of timber but I always think of that vantage point where it might be a patch of timber they're bedded on the shadowed side of it where they can still see out of it so that's why guys you hear guys blasting all the time in the high country looking for an antler tip in the trees and stuff because that's what they're looking for is they run those edge those those timbered fingers that go up into the alpine you'll see those bucks bed right on the edge of that and they'll just be cuts of lateral lines they'll be those beds just cut into those timbered edges so 
they're tougher to stock on yeah. for sure. But that's why that's a buck I would probably hunt in an evening because he's going to step right out of that timber. Obviously, he's probably on the shadowed side of that timbered cut, and he's going to walk out into an avalanche, shoot it out into a basin. If you could strategically have yourself across the basin from him, not like across Canyon, but I'm saying two, 300 yards on the other side of the basin from same level. So your wind hasn't affected him. When he comes out to start feeding, you make a move and be at the same level as him. So now your thermals have switched and went down and you're, you're playing, playing ball with him right there. Ah, I got that. Uh, you know, I, I feel was, like I get a I lot was, of mumbling. My mind just, I think of past stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think of past scenarios in my mind and I can just, those are scenarios that have worked for me. It's definitely evening on their feet. Yes, in their beds is sweet, and they stand up and give you a 30-yard shot where they're looking the other way, licking their shoulder or something. That's cool, but <laughs> you don't get those every time. Yeah, no, that, that I've, I've never heard anybody talk about, like, that evening portion. And, you know, you always hear, like I said, the bedding, you know, and then waiting till the, everything's consistent after the swirling winds in the morning and then coming in from the top. Well, obviously, you can't come in from the top when the thermals are going down, so you're kind of coming at the – same level and then you're hoping that they're you know they're gonna feed out towards you because they got the timber to their back that way if they're coming out to exactly. feed they're gonna come into that open basin exactly. or avalanche chute or whatever that would be yeah you're exactly right and that's that's exactly it. you just painted the exact picture so i must have spoke pretty well about oh, i it. i had i actually had a full visual in my mind could be completely different than the situation you were thinking of but like i'm picturing what that looks like in my head you know <laughs> Yeah. And like I said, I'm no expert, but those are just, those are scenarios where I definitely kept capitalized on. Yeah. No. And, and man, I, I want, I want as many opportunities to screw things up as possible. And I don't mean that as like, I'm looking at it, like I, I, planning on failing but at the same time i need those reps you know and hopefully it works out on the first one but if it doesn't like i want to have multiple opportunities and if that opens up the windows to more opportunities then yeah that makes sense well i'm excited for you because i just from what i know i mean or what i know what i hear in colorado is you're gonna have a plethora of game like you're gonna roll into some basins and hopefully you see you know two three four groups of deer so that you have you can blow some stock. Yeah. You'll have multiple opportunities. I don't know what a beginner should be. I mean, you, you, you've killed enough stuff. So, but as far as like spotting and stocking, I don't know what your stat should be as far as stock first or stock for a kill or however you want to look at it. How I'll, many I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. Like, it's like, all right, I was 3%. Well, how many stocks did you get? <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, I will, I should have a elk tag too. Um, so I should okay. have an elk tag in my pocket too. So that'll be exciting. Um, early put on, the elk like tag, you put the elk tag deep in your pocket. So last year I was on a high country hunt and I had a deer tag elk tag in Wyoming. And I went in just like you're saying, I went on last year, just the way the first of September laid out, it was like a, a Tuesday. So I took off Monday from work. Well, that gave me the prior Saturday to take off. So I was in the mountains from like the 28th of August and on the 31st of August, I saw like a 350 bull elk and I forgot all about the deer that I went down there for. And I ended up chasing elk for five days. So, um, I guess moral of the story, if you're going to kill a mule deer, put that damn elk tag in the bottom I of your know, package. I know. You'll end up chasing elk. That's it. My cousin was like, <laughs> my cousin was laughing. He's like, man, you got to. I don't even want to buy an elk tag. He's like, because that just distracts us from what we're there for. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I know. I know how that's going to be. And, but I'm going to be my, sitting 
glassing point. You're going to be sitting on a glassing point. The bugs are going to be biting your face and you're going to be sunburned. And all of a sudden the bull is just going to crack off below you bugling. And you're going to be like, man, we could be having some mid- midday action right now yeah. <laughs> if I went down in there. So yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a three by four elk. I'm getting I'm hot. I'm getting <laughs> bugs bite me. I'm going. <laughs> exactly. And well, then, that's cool. That's just, that's just opportunity though. I mean, just yeah. like you said, rest. You're gonna get that's that's the that's the goal that's the cool part about the West is you can have a white an elk tag and a mule deer tag and a bear tag. You can be you can be loaded up. Yeah, I I like buying as many tags as I can and and then you know uh, you know hoping for some opportunity or trying to make some opportunity there and and you know I I'm just like when I'm in the West I think it's it's cool because like for whitetails for me in Pennsylvania I've been doing it my whole life so I'm like at a point where you know, I'm focused on a specific, either a specific animal or, you know, some different things. We're out West. Everything's new to me. And I'm just like, I, I just want to stalk whatever. I want to hunt whatever. I want to learn, you know, and like for, for me with like shooting a mule deer out there, I'm not, I'm not go. I mean, obviously I'd love to shoot 170, 180 inch mule deer, but for me, I want a mule deer that looks like a mule deer. Like I want to, like, that's what my goal is. And I, I need to get, I need to get, you know, kills under my belt and have some meat and stuff more. And then, you know, that'll come later once I, you know, get better at it or get some, you know, some kills under my belt. Like I'm definitely not, a, you know, a person at this point in my hunting career where I'm like, oh, I'm only hunting this, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get there, but that's just not where I'm at, you know? Yeah, and either I still, <laughs> yeah. you say, oh, and everything you do. I live out west, and <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm a scatterbrain. When it's hunt season, I mean it's just go go go. My truck's always loaded. It's whatever I can chase, whatever's in a stockable location. I mean I've walked away from big bucks because there's another nice buck in a bed that I know I can put a stock on, and I get after it. Like yeah, yeah. Man. Well, um, I, I did I did this with whitetails last year. I was in a tree stand and. I, uh, there was this buck chasing these does around me. It was, it was first snow and the rut and they were, he was belly sliding like, cause the does had changed directions and he slipped and he was dude, okay. cool show. And I ended up calling him off these does and he came like right to the base of my tree and I drew back and I was like, I don't know. He's not really what I was here for, you know? And I'm like, so I let him go and he kind of went off. And then as he's walking away, I'm like, shit. Like I try <laughs> calling him back. I'm like, I, like I made a mistake. Like, give me, like I just, I don't know. I love, like, I love that adrenaline rush. And I would have been more than happy with that buck, even though it wasn't exactly what I was there for. Now I'm happy I didn't, but yeah, it was yeah. like, it, it was just, it's funny. Like for me, like when it comes to that time, it's just like something clicks on. And I just want to oh i just want to do it you know <laughs> that's like a, that's, the, that's the story of my life like i'm always my buddies have heard like what i just told you about oh i got this quest i want to kill a big bull elk my buddies a couple of my hunting buddies and my wife are so sick of hearing that like i said because <laughs> every year they're like well you got to pass you know dude that bull comes in or i sneak up on that bull and he's another 290 bull or another 300 bull and i am drawn back and i can't like that adrenaline rush this year the bull I shot, he's a little six point on one side and he has like a goofy club. He is Pope and young wouldn't even know that that was a bull elk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just, but I never shot a bull that had like a goofy club or anything goofy. And I saw this bull and I saw him at like nine o'clock in the morning and I watched him go in this patch of timber and bed down. And obviously if I would have thought he's a shooter, I'd have went at him now, but I was like, Nope, I'm going to work down this Canyon. I'm going to come back. And the way that I'm coming back out, it'll put me, 
within about 500 yards of 400 yards of that timber patch. We'll see what happens. So I do this big loop, nothing, nothing, nothing. I see nothing. I get up on top. The winds just plow me in the face and I'm not much of a caller, but I was like, I carry Delilah. I have a cow elk decoy that I carry called Delilah. <laughs> and I settled Delilah up and I cow call. It's 11 o'clock in the morning, September 5th. And it's like 102 degrees. It is hot. And that little sucker bugles. He, he, he answers right away at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, so I get my phone out. And uh, I'm only telling you this story because you just told about this white tail. You called in and then like, just because of the whole, like, just the whole hunt was awesome. Yeah. And I cow call, he bugles. Pretty soon I see him come walking out and he's looking over towards me. He sees Delilah. I see his eyes lock on me and here he comes. And so I cow call like two more times and he bugles. And he's just walking like he is a big dog walking and <laughs> comes all the way across this canyon. And I had this tree range. It's really open country. And I had this tree range and it was 35 yards. And I was like, all right, if he comes closer than that bush, I'll maybe I'll draw back. And I'm sitting there. He passes that tree. He passes the 20 yard mark <laughs> and he's standing at 12 yards. And I can see him like dro drool is dripping out of his mouth. He's looking at Delilah. Well, his club covered his eye. So I drew back and he didn't even see me draw. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm full draw now. And I stuck an arrow in him. But that adventure, like yeah. that whole hunt, so awesome that, this bull's bugling. He came all the way in. I got 11 yard shot and he's dead within 30 yards. And I was done. Now it was only September 5th and I had 25 more days of hunting, but <laughs> anyway, well, there you go. There's the whole, there's my request. I love it. I think that's freaking yeah. awesome. Like the story of that, like that's, what's so cool about it. And, and my, when I ever, it's funny, like my, my dad is like one of the best hunters that I know. And you know, he, but he doesn't always kill the biggest deer. And he, he says to me, he's like, Bo, if I get something that gets me super excited and puts on a show, like that's enough for me. That's what makes it like, you know, the story of it, you know, call like, yeah, like yeah. he loves, he loves hunting off the ground and just going through these thick clear cuts and calling and shooting bucks at five yards frontal, like that are coming in to try to tear his face off. You know, wow. he's like, that's and, awesome. and like, those are the types of stories. I'm like, I, I love that. Like that's, that's so much cooler than even just looking at the trophy photo of a, you know, a decent buck. It's, it's the, that whole story aspect of it. That's, that's cool. Like that club buck and the fact that he was covering his eye, that poor it bastard, did, yeah. like yeah. he had no yeah. chance. <laughs> yeah. He didn't. Like he's walking and the, the club is only like, Oh, it's probably only like 10 inches, nine, 10 inches long. So it's not like he's got one of those big, you know, those big club horn below. It's like, it's like a fit hanging off of his eye. And, uh, so, but yeah, it covered his eye perfect. And when he was coming in, I was like, oh, he only has one horn. Like I remember thinking that, but then when he got closer, I was like, oh man, like this is a little more exciting. So then, then I did amp it up. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm a geek when it comes to it. I love, I love hunting. I love watching that arrow hit something. You practice all year for those shots. And so when you, and it was a good shot. It was awesome. You was dead. I had him boned out and, and uh, had a really bunch of elk tacos tonight just before I got on the podcast with you still from him. So it was all the, the adventure was, was bar none. Like there's, I, I, I couldn't have planned it any better. And that's what we do it for. That's, that's why I do it. That's why and, I go out there. 
Yeah, if you're not getting excited about it, man, like that's, and you know, it's funny, like in those situations, you can do one of two things. You can either talk yourself out of it or talk yourself into it really easily. Normally I talk myself into it. I'm like, why he's, he's pretty big, you know, like he's, he's yeah. pretty like, yeah, he, yeah. he might be, no, he might he be looks, four years old, you know, <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. yep. Yep. walk up to him. Oh, that's another two year old, but uh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> One step above her egg, but I got an L. Yep. <laughs> Meet the freezer. Heck yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's exactly how it is for me. And my buddies would be laughing your their asses off hearing you say that because that's how I am, man. <laughs> I have all these high standards. Sometimes I get excited and went and but I got a full freezer. That's all that matters. When I <laughs> the end of the hunt season, I got a lot to eat, so <laughs> yep, that's, that's you exactly know the right. thing is, is if it would just, just if it would be a three fifty bull, if it would be a three fifty bull that walked in, but it's, I always shoot the first six point. Why can't it ever just be a three fifty be the first six point that I saw? That just that's never happened. That's never, <laughs> that's never happened to me. At some point, it will. <laughs> yes, I hope so. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, to kind of transition a little bit here, I know you are well. First, I guess first, I want to hear a little bit about um, your company and your mantra with Predators Never Quit. And that's going to kind of transition into what, what I was going to ask you next. But I figured this was a good time to kind of talk about that a little bit. All right. Well, um, thank you. Uh, yeah. So Predators Never Quit. It's, uh, it's a story. of it's, It started one day on a mountain. It was uh, two buddies of mine, Zach and Tom, my two hunt partners. And we were up in a general unit in Wyoming in some rough country and I'd already killed my bull. So I was, you know, like when you're hunting with your buddies and you've already filled out, it's kind of just like chill. Like everything was just up in the air. I was game for anything. I was running camera. I was still on like 10 days of vacation. So it was just like, I was in heaven. Right. And I killed a good bull that year. These guys are stressed out. They still got tags to fill in general units. We're seeing people. And I'm just like, yeah, that sucks guys. You know? Well, anyways, we get down deep in this, we were only going to day hunt. We didn't have camps on our backs. And we got down this ridge. We were a long ways in chasing elk. Well, we came up to a big cannon, and we literally looked. I don't know. Mileage is just a number, but it was like three or four miles away. We were already three or four miles from camp, and they were completely the opposite direction. Long story short is we're sitting on the ridge, and I'm glassing them. I'm like, guys, predators never quit. Let's go get them. And uh, that's all I said. And we're walking down the ridge. We take off after them. We're walking down the ridge. I'm like, predators never quit. I was like. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Like I'm going to make, I'm going to draw that up. And that was in 2013. <clears throat> that night we ended up sleeping out and under the stars because we didn't make it back to camp. Chased elk through the next day. We didn't have food with us. We moved granola bars and a couple meat sticks to get for like 48 hours. We ended up hiking off of a mountain range and getting picked up by my buddy's girlfriend at the time and hauled around. So it was quite the adventure. And and with that, that's, that's kind of a mindset that I've always had, but it came out that day. Um, I very truly wholeheartedly believe in predators never quit and never that never quit attitude. And it's whether I'm at work, I'm being a dad or whether I'm in the mountains hunting, it's, it's just don't quit. Um, you're, if you quit, you get home, like from a hunting trip, you're going to regret it. You're you're going to regret that you quit early and you didn't give it your all. So I always think that when I'm, there's one more ridge or there's one more canyon to cross. Like don't quit. Like predators never quit. It's just something that's just stuck with me. And it's a mantra that I, I live by wholeheartedly. And, and 
and try to represent too. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just the way I go about life in all aspects of it. So, yeah, I, I think, I think you do, um, a uh, really good job of that, like on with on social media and everything, and that's again, that's how I know you up until this point. So this is just kind of what I see from the outside. But when I look at what you're doing, and and yet T minus how many days, and you're in the gym like every single day, and you're you're like, that's not just even when you're on the mountain. That's like you're 365 all around, like preparation, trying to be better, and just and to me, I think that's one that's inspiring to people. And like, if I'm feeling lazy, when I see guys like you that are doing that, I'm like, you know, screw that. Like I need to, I need to quit being a little pussy here and I need to, I I, I need to, you know, ramp it up a little bit. And, and I, I just think that, that, that mindset is, is such, so contagious, but it, it is something that has to go past motivation because motivation's a very, short-lived thing it's more you know it's a disciplined thing and really having that mindset engraved i mean that's at least that's what i've found with it i can get motivated about something and be excited about it for a little bit but unless i'm disciplined and really have like like really deep down have that ingrained in me then it's not gonna stick you know yeah you know like to go with it i always say consistency creates dedication and dedication creates consistency so like I, I just, that has been something that with that never quit attitude is it, it flows for me. It flows right into it. There's a lot of days that I heard Jocko something I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Jocko said something to the effect of sometimes you just feel like you're going through the motions. Well, go through the motions. Like you still, you're still doing it. Like still get it done. Even though you feel like you're going through the motions, go through the motions, like get it done. And that's how I feel with uh, like consistency creates dedication. And then it just, it's a circle for me because once I start going to the gym or once I start shooting my bow or once I start just being a good dad, right. Or being a good husband and just being consistent and help my wife out without even asking about it or even thinking about it. I mean, you're doing dishes, I'm doing laundry, I'm doing, I'll vacuum. Like I will do anything, but it creates that dedication. And then you take pride in and you start seeing results. Let's go. We can fall back on the gym. The gym is a big one. Once you start doing that consistency, you got to set a goal of, I'm going to go like, so let's, let's put a week into this. I'm going to hit three days this week. Well, there's your consistency. You've hit three days this week. Well, now you've got a little skin in the game. So now you're a little bit dedicated because you don't want to waste what you just put into it. So now you've created a little bit of dedication. Well, the more consistency that you put into something, the more dedication it creates. And with that dedication, it creates more consistency. That's the way I look at it. Like, it's just a, it's kind of a snowball effect. And that's why I look at predators never quit with that never quit mindset of I, I, the way I said, the reason I say predators is I always look at like wolves. I look at like a mountain lion. I look at like that grizzly bear that everybody filmed in the Yellowstone river this year or whatever that was, it was killing that bull elk. Yeah. I mean, like, that's like the biggest never quit thing. And cause he's doing it to survive. Grant, I'm not going hunting and it's not, I can go to the damn store and buy some food if I had to. That's, yeah. that's not what hunting is about me, but the never quit lifestyle is just, that's just me. And, I just, I want to do that because I feel like when it comes to the consistency and dedication and the never quit, it's a snowball effect also in life. Like, man, when I push it in the mountains and I push it in that, like it, for me, it flows to my job. Like I, I have work a physical job too. So I'm building fence a lot and I'm a lot of physical labor and it makes me want to push harder. And I don't know, it just, it just, it's, it's for me, it's just a big snowball effect. When I do one thing, I want to do another thing just as good. And, and the three things for me is my family, my hunting, like 
And so that's two things there is like family and hunting. So if I can be good in all of those things, that's kind of where that attitude, that mantra just, just thrives for me. It's just that predators never quit. So that's, I know that's a really long answer to your question, but that's how that mantra started. And that's how I came up with the logo. And then I started making designing hats and I got t-shirts on the way. And, but yeah, that's, that's my life. So that's, that's what it is about. It's not like I'm just trying to make a brand. It's truly my lifestyle. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that, I think that kind of bleeds out of what you're saying and, and the, the passion that with that answer, if you would, I don't think you could answer that in a couple sentences, you know what I mean? Like it's obvious yeah. like that, that's what you believe in. And, and I think that there's like, I think there's a whole community of people that like would benefit from that. Like just more so like than than like, you know, cool peril and stuff like that's awesome. And, and I think that parts, but I think like that community you're creating with that and that mindset is, is the biggest thing that I see out of that. You know what I mean? And then, and then obviously, and then, you know, you look over and you see somebody wearing a hat, you're like, yeah, he gets it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, no, it's it's very humbling. I'll tell you that. I've, I've I've seen hats where you see people post a picture. You know how it is because you've shipped your East Miss West stuff. I'm probably all over the, the states. And when you see something come in from somebody that's from like Florida, or you see a hat you saw in Wisconsin, like yeah, for me being a small town Wyoming kid, having a like a dream or a, not not a dream to sell these hats, but like a passion about something so strong, and that I just all I did was put it on a hat. And yeah, for that guy to, he gets it. Like you just said the or that gal, man, that's, it's pretty like gratifying and cool. And then I get a message here every once in a while about someone will give me just even a thumbs up about, about they've been working out or I'll get a note, a message shot to me about someone that said, Hey man, I've been working out and they, the hashtag predators never quit. And it's like, boy, that's uh if I had any goal with all of this, that's what it would be. It would be to inspire someone to push their limits and do that man that is uh it puts a smile a huge smile on my face yeah it always gives me chills to think that an idea that i have or something that i live by can bleed into someone else and come out in them so yeah man it's that's it it's you said it well it's it's uh it's pretty cool it's really cool yeah no that's that's something i can relate to that so much it's like you know when um when i when i started hunting out west and then i first wrote about it and then the podcast came and stuff and you know i just shared it as like i'm a new guy that's doing this and trying to learn and you know fail just as much as anybody else and you get like those messages or you know any of that stuff like that stuff like i don't know like i I just get like it hits like i read it i'm like I I don't know. It's just crazy. Like you can't even fathom it. You're like, man, like that somebody else is, you know, benefiting from this or like, um, you know, or, or I don't know, changing their, changing their life sounds dramatic, but it's true. Like it's, it's one of those things. Like for me, it was like when I read Cam Haynes's book, uh, backcountry bow hunting, which I just reread again when I was on vacation because I just, I hadn't read it. And that was the first book that got me to elk hunt. And that's like, for me, that's like, like he inspired me to go out and, and do this. If I can inspire somebody to do that and that's completely changed my life. So it's just like, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. And it's all, and especially with like what, what you're doing there, like all that's doing is benefiting in everyone's life outside of hunting too. Like it's that mentality can be applied to so many different things. 
Yeah, that's that's cool because I that's what I hope too. I mean, uh, I had a guy reach out to me at the gym and he's like, man, he goes, I'm not a hunter, but he sees my hats and he's like, I really just I really like that model. Like, I don't want to be a poser. I'm like, it was so cool. He's an ex college ball player. And he's guys a beast, and it's like, yeah. I feel like it's I feel it's a lot of pride that he wants to wear a hat or he has a mindset that thinks the same as me. So yeah, it's it's so awesome, man. And it, when, when something does, and it and that might be it. I might reach out to however many hats I've sold or how many people think it's cool. It might only be ten people, but man, that's been it's been it's an it's amazing to to reach to have people to yeah. I don't know. I don't. I I really suck at talking about it because yeah. it's, it's hard talk about but yeah it's uh it's pretty cool like i screenshot messages and i send them to peyton my wife just to be like look at this like look at what this guy or gal said about this like it's it's so awesome so anybody that is listening that has about predators never quit if any of those guys are listening then it's thank you because it's been it's awesome thank you for bringing it up it's, yeah it's well it's something i'm like super excited about we i really dumped a lot of heart into this one since about february i got it rolling and got the website up and stuff and it's been good it's fun it's a cool little side hustle i know you're used to it but getting home and having to box up hats yeah it's 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 it's, um it's it's fun like it's fun to do that and there's times too it's like you know sometimes you're like man i gotta you know i gotta ship this i gotta take it to the post office you know like i'm not i'm not selling enough where i'm like having the post office drive to my house and pick up a you know a whole delivery like you know you, you got every everything that you touch as it's going forward and it is cool like doing a side hustle like that that's a passion is so much easier to do than if it was just a job, you know, just something that you have yeah. to do. And yeah. that's like, for me, I, I, I said this all the time. I said, if I wanted just a side hustle that I could make money, I wouldn't do a podcast. I wouldn't sell apparel. <laughs> like if that's what it was about for me, then I would find something that's a little bit more lucrative, but yeah. for me, it's, it's a, the enjoyment factor of doing it. And, and, you know, hoping to, to be able to help others or, or them be able to benefit from it too, is what's, what's cool. Exactly. Exactly. It's to inspire someone else and maybe motivate them or make them work harder. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it was a simple idea on a mountain, but I think I had that deeply embedded in me all the time. Cause I, I haven't changed. It's not like I came up with that motto and then started doing things different. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I was able to put a, put a label to it. Right. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the best, the best ideas come on the mountains like that, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's it's like, and it's always like when in in those struggles and being able to find like the positive aspects of it, I always say about this, like for me, I'm a big mindset guy. Like if I, if I'm really down about something, I can talk myself into a hole, but if I can find a way to like flip it and make it, you know, make fun of a situation that's bad. Like that's how I do well with things. Like when I hunt with my brother or any of my hunting partners now, like I only hunt with a select group of people because we we're good at like when we're in really sucky situations, laughing at it, like, and just like making fun of each (laughs) other when like you're so sore and you're hurting and you're winded and we're just making fun of each other. And like, that's what, I don't know that that whole just mentality and being around those like-minded people is just is is super cool yeah absolutely that's exactly right Um, so the the last question i have and um then then i'll let you go here but i so with your off-season preparation like as you're now you know we're coming into summertime here and we're you know getting 
amped up for September's as you were talking about, like, what does an average day for you look like? Like from when you wake up, what's it look like till the end? Uh, so I wake up in the morning. Um, I usually get up around four 30 every morning, four 20, four 30s when the alarm goes off. Thank God right now I'm not, we're done feeding horses. We got green grass in Wyoming, so I don't have to hate my horses. In the wintertime, I usually get up about four 15 in the morning. So I got to go feed horses before I do anything. So anyways, I get up four 30, I go straight to the gym. Uh, I'm at the gym till about six 15. And then I got to be to work at the ranch, which is at seven. So it's about a 35 minute drive. I drive to the ranch and then it, my day job, the ranching community from chasing cows around, fixing a lot of fence, running farm equipment, all that kind of stuff. Um, right now it's springtime, so we're branding calves, everybody helping all the neighbors brand. Um, summertime is going to be about the same. We're going to be fencing as far as work goes. Get home at night, anywhere between 5, 5.30. Um, and then I got a little three-year-old and she, it's family time. It's dinner we sit down, we eat dinner and we play and uh, then she goes to bed. And then I usually don't pull the phone back out. I usually put my phone away and then use like predators never quit stuff. I usually worry about my hats and all that stuff is, is kind of after, after eight o'clock after she's in bed. So my mom, I'm just a normal guy in that aspects. Um, on the ranch, I have my bow with me. Like I get a hard time. I have my bows in my truck every single day and I always have a target in the back of my truck. So you'll catch me shooting a bow my lunchtime I'm shooting a bow when I get to the ranch in the morning before the wind starts blowing, I'm shooting a bow. Like I always am shooting bows. So everybody's always like, people ask when do you get practicing. I shoot, I shoot all the time. I got to my, literally my bow rides in my truck with me every day. So <laughs> I shoot all the time when it comes to that. And then the weekends as summer's approaching, like right now we got bear hunting. So we branding calves, we're helping neighbors and friends brand on the weekends, but I slip away for an evening here and evening there. And I take my little girl with me. I mean, we got shed hunting and stuff too. So I'm getting out a ton on the weekends. Um, as summer approaches, it'll be camping slash scouting. I don't tell my wife we're scouting, but we're damn sure scouting. I'm in new places or places where I haven't been a lot. And that's kind of, that's how summer rolls. But yeah, man, I'm a normal guy. I don't have the nine to five. I mean, I could work six days a week chasing cows around. I might work five days a week with ranch stuff. Um, it's a little bit different here and there, but definitely the gym. I hit the gym every morning and then, um, working and dadding in the evenings and being a good husband. That's, that's what I try. That's, that's right. That's the goal. That's <laughs> the goal. Yeah. I tell you different, but <laughs> that's, that's the goal. But yeah, so that's how my summer is. I, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not going to go take a week and go scout here, or go scout there. It's, it's a weekend trip here with the family. We're going to go camping. We're going to go fishing. Like I said, I'm not looking for the animal. So. I want to go figure out roads and stuff. So I'll plan a camping trip into that, maybe that mountain range or plan a camping trip into that drainage. And that's what my summertime looks like, but that's yeah, awesome. work out, go to work, come home, shoot all day, anytime and get a spare minute and then uh, play with the little one and then do the side hustle in the evenings kind of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, we, we've had a couple situations here where I felt like you and I were very similar, but like what you just said, like, Although you're at a ranch and you're married and have a kid, which I don't, but our days look relatively similar, except for I have this thing where I like set my alarms for like odd times. So like I wake up at 418, like 418. <laughs> I don't know why I just have to do that. And I get up at 418 and then I go to the gym and work out, get that in. And I'm usually done about 610 to 615. And that gives me 
about 20 minutes to drive to work and I shower at work. We have a locker room there. I start at seven and nice. then, uh, then I work until anywhere between four and five thirty, depending on the day and come home, make dinner, shoot my bow and then do all the podcast stuff and kind of it's, you know, and anything else around the house that needs done kind of in between there and scout on the weekends when I can. But, um, I, I like your idea though, with when, when you have, you know, a family and everything of being able to double up there with, all right, taking camping, like that's, you know, that's a, oh, yeah. it's a oh, great, yeah. great experience with the family, but you're also scouting roads. You're kind of getting the layout of some country. You yeah, know? Totally. Totally. <laughs> I like you know, it. That's, that's how it is and so yeah it works out good and i think peyton and i have been together for over six years now so she's on to me she knows she knows this is a scouting trip you know she always tells me she's like oh, i'm so lucky that we have laney now because our daughter's name's laney she's three and a half and i take her i mean when it's not like you know big trips killing elk and you know deer and stuff but just trips here and there i throw her up on top of my pack she just rides on my shoulders and I take her everywhere. She always looks at me. She goes, I'm so glad your dad has you for those adventures now because I used to drag Satan everywhere. And now I got this little three-year-old that goes everywhere with dad. So oh, that's I always awesome. got my, my little compadre. And that's it. I get a lot of family time in, man. She's, I'm teaching her about deer tracks and beds and I try and teach her as much as I can right now. So that's, that's the off season. That's being a dad and a husband, man. That's probably what the, it all boils down to. That's awesome. So that way, when September gets here, and I have all that stuff already written on the calendar, um, adios, babe, give her a pat on the ass, and I'm out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, you, you'd be lying to yourself if you said that she didn't know what you were doing with these camping oh, trips. She like, totally you know, knows. she's <laughs> women are way smarter than we are. They 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 knew, they knew yeah. about that before you even thought about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally, man, totally. that's funny yeah that's awesome well thank you for coming on sam like i I mean i really appreciate it and i'd love to for you to tell everyone where they can find you on social media talked about it and and your predators never quit stuff all right well follow me i i I do have a predators never quit instagram um the the web page for predators never quit is www.predatorsneverquit.com that's where you can buy hats and stuff um but most of my stuff, I'm very active on Instagram and it's S Davis two five zero six, like 25 out six is the, hey, I'm a bow hunter, but that's always been my number. So it's S Davis 25 out six is my Instagram handle. And that's where I post all my adventures and fun. And it's just uh, me in a nutshell. I, if you met me, I don't think you'd think I was any different than the pictures I post on Instagram. I try to be pretty real with it. I don't, not a lot of glitz and glam and I've always taken a lot of pictures to see a lot of old pictures that I took. I mean, when I was a kid, my dad was a guide. So taking good quality photos has been ground into my head since I was two years old. Yeah. So I got a lot of old photos of hunting photos and stuff and a lot of outdoor photos I've taken. I pack a camera everywhere with me. So yeah, I like to, I like to show my stuff to everyone in the world. I mean, it's, it's, I've had, I've been on a lot of adventures. I'm very lucky to live where I do. Yeah. So that's everything, man. Awesome. And yeah, so then the predators never quit is also on Instagram. Okay, but and you have YouTube too, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad <laughs> you that. I do have YouTube. I put it's not uh, it's not like sweet, you know, all the sweet films out there. But I edit it all up myself, and it's just it's the raw 
it's the raw all my hunts that i pretty much all film solo there's a couple of hunts of my wife on there and a couple of my buddies with some moose and smelt but yeah predators never quit youtube channel also and check it out i got some shaky camera stuff but it's as real as it gets because i got bulls coming in screaming and i have to set the camera down to run the call and pick the camera back up and some people like it and there's always haters i love yeah, the haters. you're you're better than i am with that man i can't i can't i the cell filming thing man it's 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 difficult so i get hats off to you on that <laughs> well thanks it's just it goes right back to my little girl to be honest with you i always want to be able to show her when she gets older whether she's into hunting or not she can look back at those videos and like god that's my dad walking around his underwear sneaking up on mule deer like you know what i mean like, <laughs> i mean i just she's got a jackass for a dad but she's i'll always be able to show it and it's pretty cool for my old man and my mom to get onto youtube and be able to watch those videos so that's that's really why i do it but i got a lot of adventures on there cool awesome yeah well again thanks for coming on i really appreciate it and uh yeah, taking time out of your day there with the family and everything to talk with me. Well, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Bo. And you get out west, you get to this Montana country. I'm close by. You'll have to hit me up. and Maybe we can have an adventure together. Get you to Wyoming and do some hunting. Oh, man, I'd love that. I'd. You said you got a lot of whitetails in there. Maybe I'll, just, I'll come hunt some of those, those white, God, white tails. God, I could hook you up with some whitetails. So I could hook you up with white tails for sure. <laughs> if you're coming to Wyoming, I'm not letting you hunt white tails. That'll be like second. Well, <laughs> I'll point them to you. I'll say, you go do whatever you want to do. We'll go chase mule deer or something fun. Okay. <laughs> we, call, right. we call white tails swamp rats. We're going to go hunt swamp rats. That's what we call white tail here. So. <laughs> but, well, thanks a lot, man, for having me. I really appreciate it. and It was great to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, you too, man. All right. Later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.